Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, thank God it's over 20 degrees in Buffalo, but uh, I'm not sure how long that'll last. Um, Russ, start us off with the pre-show. Well, Mike, I'm, I'm disappointed in you. I am. <laughs> because today, I, I know, it's not something that doesn't happen every day, but it happens <laughs> most days. And today is the uh, anniversary of the Boston Massacre, and that's not the home run by Bucky fucking Dent. Uh, Jeez, <laughs> that's what they call them. I know, I know. We're a PG show here, Russ. Oh, I see. But Mike, I'm surprised you didn't bring it up. Anthony, I'm sure you have something to chime in about it. Boston no, I have nothing. I have nothing to say on that. This is only this is, this is the Russ Cohen show on this Listen, one. This I, I have two history buffs on here. You <laughs> have nothing to say. Usually, I include that when we do the introductions. Well, <clears> but now, now, you've, now, now you've now you screwed up my my surprise. But screw you. <laughs> then there's no inch. That's it. Man, it's, it is no Friday, and you guys are cantankerous as heck today. Look at you two. Jeez, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say here. What the hell? Okay, then don't say it. That's okay, it for the pre-show. It. That's it? No pre-show? That was it. it? You guys aren't talking about it. That's it. Okay. You're the history majors. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021. I'm Anthony Mangione from Off the Post Radio. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Agello in the Boston Massacre. No, no, no. And this is Hockey <laughs> Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com, uh, where you can learn your finest bits of history if you don't listen to Russ Cohen. Um, okay, let's start off with this. Uh, after watching a rather unexciting 3-1 loss to the – Vancouver Canucks last night. I'm ready to go get some well-deserved shut-eye, and I do a final look at Twitter, and lo and behold, I see the Calgary Flames announce Jeff Ward is gone, and Daryl Sutter has been hired as the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. Woo-hoo. Kevin, I can't believe it. I really can't believe that he, he he's back. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's just, you know, especially with, there's sort of been a movement, uh, um, you know, to bring in the young, uh, younger coaches, I want to say young, but younger coaches. And, uh, and there's a style now that I think people are, are uh, embracing that, you know, the Cooper, you know, model um, where they're, they're um, just their approach is not, uh, uh, you know, 1950-ish. And, you know, Daryl Sutter is as old school as it gets. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, although it is interesting, my, you know, Tom Laidlaw, who's my podcast partner uh, on a different podcast who, you know, played in the NHL, he had been um, lobbying for Gerard Gallant because he felt Calgary needed an old school coach. And he really felt like that was the way to go. And they went in that direction. They just didn't go with Gerard Gallant. Um, right. You know, Sutter... Um, he'll bring accountability, as we all know, to that uh, to that team. And you know, I, you know, somebody like, uh, uh, you know, there's some players on that team that have not lived up to expectations, and I would assume their minutes are going to dwindle uh, over the next uh, few weeks. And you know, it doesn't help that uh, the Oilers have played well this season. Um, you know, right. not counting the two losses to uh, Toronto, but you know. In Alberta, it's a really big thing. Um, so, and the, the other element, of course, is is that uh, Sutter is from Alberta, and uh, you know to be able to bring him back, he's kind of like a, a favorite son. Oh, he's an I. I mean, I was he brought in a Stanley Cup, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, and and you, and you know the other thing is just he is by far in my top three press conference coaches of all time. Just just sure, I agree with that. He's just, he's just, he's hilarious. He, and he's not, he's not, not that he gives you great stuff. It's just that his personality, like, 
Yeah, am I okay? Yeah, no, you were shuddering there for some Breaking a little. Bit. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Sorry, it's just that yeah. I might make a lot of that. I'll, I'll, I'll that. sort of tell a story that will kind of sum yeah. up uh, Daryl's relationship with the uh, media, and that is this. Um, I was talking uh, with Dean Lombardi, and uh, we were talking. Uh, I can't even remember what the subject was. And he said, uh, um, he gave me a bunch of quotes for a story I was doing. And then he said when he was done, he goes, you know, you know who's really good on this is Daryl. You should call Daryl. Daryl will give you really stuff. And I said, Dean, I said, Dean, you've forgotten one thing. And he paused for a moment. He goes, oh, you're not Canadian. And I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, as we all know, Daryl has great relationships with the Canadian media. You know, he... He does. A Canadian uh, member of the Canadian media asks, you know, a good question. Daryl will answer it. But <clears throat> here's the bigger question, though, Kev. The big question that, that comes for me is, and we see this in in the NFL especially. It seems like if you've won a Super Bowl in the NFL, you will get I don't know four subsequent jobs, and it yeah. seems like it's the same thing in the NHL now. And it does make you wonder, like, who is the one that's going to lose out on this? Is Calgary going to be the one that loses out on it? Because it's finally time that Sutter didn't come back to coaching or is this going to work out great? You know? Well, you know, I, I think there is, you can make a case that they need an old school coach um, because they just don't seem to um, uh, like there's more there than, mm -hmm. than we've seen. And uh, uh, I think they need someone to kind of call them out and Daryl will do that as you know. So um, it is going to be interesting to see, uh, he'll have that team playing better defensively. I guarantee you that. Well, Anthony, this is this is his fifth go around: San Jose, Chicago, L.A., where he won two cups, and Calgary, <clears throat> to a cup final in '04. Um, I think the big concern here is obviously, you know, has has the game passed him by? And that's going to be a big question. I would look at also the types of teams that Daryl's been successful with. I mean, the most recent, the L.A. Kings. Big strong roster throughout the lineup, and Calgary, not on the bigger, not on the bigger side in terms. I mean, there's some players in that lineup that have decent size, but playing that way stylistically, either there's going to have to be one of two things that are going to happen over time here. And again, this is a three-year deal that he he's he's you know right. obviously he's he's looking to be on for the long term. Are we looking at some changes, obviously, with the Calgary Flames going in, as they come towards the end of this campaign? and move into a new campaign? Are they going to go out and acquire players that play more of his style, or is it going to be a case of, you know, he's going to be able to adapt some of his, his tactics to a lineup that's not as big as the one he may be used he may have been used to in Los Angeles. Well, Russ, uh, Elliot Friedman's uh, when he heard about this, the, he did the, the 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 Thirty One Thoughts podcast, and he was talking about that certain players like Goudreau might not be a fit with Sutter's style. Well, but I would say definitely not a fit. Right, but other but other players like Matthew Kachuk and maybe mm -hmm. Sam Bennett, and I, I okay, I'm fixated on the whole Bennett thing. I get the feeling that you know, for living, wasn't getting any value for Sam Bennett in trades. Mm -hmm. That he liked Sam Bennett because it was his first draft pick. He took him fourth overall. That this is this is a move tailored to getting the most out of a guy like Sam Bennett because he doesn't want to give up Sam Bennett because he thinks there's something there. Well. I, I don't think you get a new coach just to, you know, bring the best out of one player. No. So, but I do think they're trying to do it out of others. Uh, if he could get the best out of Bennett and Monaghan and lose Goudreau, then you might call that a success because if they eventually lose Monaghan and Goudreau, uh, they're in bad shape. doesn't matter what they get back in return. You're never going to get back the same value, and then you're going to be taking a step back. They can't afford to take a step back with, with, with Sutter. That's the problem here is they don't have a great farm system. They don't. So they don't have tons of assets to trade other than tradable assets on the roster to trade for other assets. But, they, but yeah, they might try and go get his types of players, but they don't have a, a lot of futures to offer that are, that are great, talented players. So this is a tough spot. Like this is almost like, they can maybe make one change at the deadline, you know, the Goudreau trade. They, you know, how many people, how many teams are going to be able to make multiple trades at the deadline with the amount of time that players are going to sit and everything else and probably the amount of time that GMs are going to waste 
just deciding if they're in and, or out of it. And adding in the quarantine situation as right. well. Yeah. You know, yeah. which if you're going to be trading from, you know, player from in the States or even, is it, how does the rule work? Does it work even within province or just? No, know, no, that, that's, that's. It's just fine. if it's a stateside player, then they have to quarantine. And, and, right. and Kevin, Kevin, it's funny because uh, Jim Benning had a press conference in Vancouver this morning and. Um, basically insinuated that the the changes with the with the team have to come within from within because of the 14 day quarantine situation that it's going to be a hindrance in terms of making deals. Uh, Elliot Friedman again reported something about the Leafs who are rumored to be going after a top six or a top nine forward and pointed to a gap in their schedule 14 days where they only play five games. The the the, the Canadian general managers this has got to be something that has got to be having them pull their hair out. And I'm wondering whether they're petitioning the Canadian government to see, does it have to be 14 days? Can it be seven days with tests? I mean, what have you heard from, from your league sources about that? Well, I know that the Canadian DMs are uh, miffed about it. And they, they point to America where, you know, even the CDC has said that it's really, uh, you know, sort of 10 days. And uh, those of us who have paid attention will all tell you that, um, for the most part, uh, most of the things show up in five days. So, um, you know, for all those reasons, I think, you know, they'd like to see it uh, change. But, um, you know, I, I, I think you're still going to see some movement anyway, um, you know, but I think it's going to happen. Like I, I've been hearing that this week could be a time when teams make trades um, and, uh, you know, because they need to start that clock ticking as soon as possible. Yeah, I can see that. Mike, getting back, um, I don't know, are we done with Calgary for a minute? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's something to mention for for Vancouver, and that is, I know you wanted to bury the league because the Leafs lost, but Demko played played a hell of a game. This wasn't just like the Leafs just took a few shots and it was an easy game for him. Like, he was stacking the pads. He Actually, he showed me more quickness post-to-post in that game than I think I've ever seen from him. Like, he was really locked in. I, I think the Leafs ran out of gas in the around the halfway point of the game when it was mm-hmm. when it was two to one. But no, in, in the first in the first half of the game, he made like twenty three or twenty four saves. He was fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, hey hey Edmonton fans, that's what happens when your team has a goalie. Um, and the, that, other, the, the other thing though that might give Vancouver fans pause, and I saw this little line that went up, and and I thought of fans, and that was basically. Jim Benning says he's going to negotiate a contract uh, August twelfth, uh, April twelfth, and well, starting starting April twelfth. Starting the- April twelfth, so I yeah. think he feels pretty comfortable. He's going to be there a while, maybe even till next year. Well, Kevin, he said in, he said in that media availability that until he's told by ownership that he's not in control, then he's in control. And his his point of view is, yeah, I'm going to negotiate with. Hughes and with Pedersen after the trade deadline, which I I, I interpret that meaning that maybe he's going to trade some salary off and that that'll open up more of his cap space, but who who knows. And uh, he's got to be feeling safe or he wouldn't say that because otherwise ownership would say, don't talk about their contracts because we're not going to go there. Well, you'd also don't want there to be, you know, if there's going to be something that's going to happen, they don't want there to be smoke. You know that. Speaking of Benning, uh, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I just hate when general managers um, just dismiss the, the possibility of them being able to do anything because of the rules. Like, can you I imagine know. Jim Russell saying, saying uh, well, we just can't do anything. Because right. He would never do that. Yeah, and I, I just hate that. And you, you hear it too often, you know. It's too hard to make trades. We're restricted by the salary cap. It's up to the players. Well, you know, I, there are general managers around the league that figure out ways to do things and, you know, see it as a challenge uh, uh, to be able to, to do those kind of things. So I don't think it's all on the players. Uh, you know, I, I know his point is well taken because uh, this team played better last season and some of the players do have to play better. But it's not all on them. Uh, you know, he could do some things. I, that defense, uh, everybody knew that their defense wasn't good enough starting the uh, starting the season. And, you know, he, he could address that. Two things that I've learned about that Vancouver team. One was a comment that I, I learned that um, losing Tanev was a big loss in the locker room. So yes. that definitely affected them. Like that's and, that confirmed. And, and with Quinn Hughes because that was his defense partner. Yeah, so that – that definitely was a, a factor. 
Uh, the other thing, though, last night, Mike, they were playing good defense. They were. Yeah. They had their active sticks going. Like, you know, if they could play like that, you know, you can't expect Demko to play like that every game. But if they could play like that, they're going to be better down this, you know, next half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard a Van, I saw a Vancouver reporter say that was their best yeah. defensive, defensive effort of the year. So I mean, yeah, so. now that that's that says something. But you know, I, I've watched enough games of theirs uh, over the first six weeks that you know they defensively they've been pretty bad. Oh yeah. So no, they have been. Um, I'm sorry about that. I don't know what. Yeah, you know, you, you say that you can't uh, expect uh, Demko to play like that, but Markstrom did last season. No, I know. Uh, I mean, every, I you know, every game, like he's going to have an occasional well, game, and if he does, I mean, I, I I think one of the reasons the Canucks for the Canucks last year was the consistency of their goaltending. Um, yes, like the, he was he was good, you know, ninety percent of the time. And yeah, uh, I mean, look, Demko's uh, on a run now. I don't I don't see why he can't do it. But I'm just saying, if he has an off game and his defense can pick him up, that's a a big. That's a new thing for them this year. That's basically what I'm saying. That, that, that is a new thing, but I, I'm always reminded of uh, early in my career when Harry Sinden told me he hated it when his coach uh, would say, well, you can't blame the goalie. And he would always say, I always blame the goalie. He said, <laughs> you know, I don't pay the goalie a lot of money to make easy saves. I pay them to save us when we're not playing well. Well, Russ, and, uh, you know, I, I've always – well, Ack, it's it's three twenty, and you haven't blamed Michael Hutchinson yet for the loss. Oh, I know. I, I was going to let you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was actually Michael Hutchinson. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I still, we're going to have our debate forever about this kind of thing. But I definitely believe that you know, the Leafs before they go looking for another another forward, ninth or tenth or eleventh or twelfth forward, let 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 could me, use let, a better goalie. Let let Kevin be the great arbiter here. Okay, my my. My feeling here is with, with the Leafs right now, with Frederick Anderson as their starter, with Jack Campbell as their backup, and Michael Hutchinson as their third goaltender, um, if they're at the point where they lose Anderson and they lose Campbell, they're done. They're right. not they're not winning in the playoffs. So I'm sorry, going out and expending assets for a third goaltender yeah. in case the other two drop – there are other things they need to address, Zach. Yeah, I just I don't I don't buy into this argument of you know we've had this every year. So yes, just, I know, but, but I just don't buy into the argument yeah. that you know, if, if you're a top team that you can sit there and say you know I mean if one of your goalies goes down that you're done because because you can sit there and say okay one of our goalies goes down I'm talking two I know but say but you still need two two goalies to play in the playoffs if you're the top team in the NHL. And you don't have a third goalie you can really trust right now. Um, this is your, this is your chance. This is the Leafs Stanley Cup. They got a chance to do this. Maybe they, maybe, 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 maybe they're maybe. done. It is is ridiculous to me. Like well, that. Maybe they they were I'm going to be. Uh, I the, I, the I, go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I off the top of my head, uh, and maybe you've already researched this, but I can't think of in the years that. Uh, I've covered the league or before where a third goalie had to step in and be the, you know, carry the team. The last, yeah, the last time, other than last was, Patrick, yeah. was, 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 well, no, I'm the, no, the Oilers was yeah. 06. Yeah. With UC yeah. Markinen and they lost. Right. We're talking yeah. about just, we're talking about just in a postseason run because right. I could tell you it's Flyers 2010. Right. Right. right, right. That was a, that was I mean, a Murray go around with that goaltending situation. It's just, it's, I, it, uh, you know, I mean, I'm always usually, I'm, I, usually I'm fighting about backup goalies. Okay, usually I'm fighting about the backup goalie and not the starting. I think what's lost in this, Eck, I think what's lost in this is Hutchinson played a decent game yesterday. He only gave up. One no, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be lost in this because he did play a good game and he has played. He's played well in the last several games. Okay, so I'm not going to get take him out of this. I'm just saying that you know, the Leafs, all this, all the pre energy. I mean, this also goes into my feeling, like moving forward, that they actually do need another goalie besides Anderson. That that's not their goalie for the future. So well, I'm thinking in terms of that, you know, if you could do that now, solidify that position, and well, let's 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 not like no no. I'll, 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 I'll just, the team I'll, that hasn't won the Stanley Cup. I'll, since, I'll just, let me finish. The team that hasn't won the Stanley Cup since 1967 I'll is the just, best team in the NHL right now. I'll and just, let's not minimize I'll just that. State, I'll just state this, and we can move on. They committed to Frederick Anderson at the beginning of the year. If they were going to move on and have another goaltender, they would have done it at that point. They've committed to him. So, so because that's they it. committed to him, they're willing to just throw everything away. No. 
they think they can win. Well, with but there's, there's no options anyway. Right. There's who, would they, who would they possibly get? Darcy Kemper. Throwing it out there. Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper. Go get Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper's not available. Okay, well, not available now. Okay. Well, he's not available as far as I know. Now, speaking of goaltending so, injuries, okay. we're, we're, we're yeah, goal- I don't, I don't. Yeah. Speaking uh, speaking of goaltending injuries, Russ, we wa- were watching last night, yeah. and I'm I'm waiting for the announcement of doom from the New York Rangers because uh, seeing Shashurkin go down, I mean, I think it was a serious knee. Let's just say this: he was carried off the ice with from by two teammates. He couldn't put any weight on it. That's not a good sign. No, I mean, wait until five five thirty. We'll hear about some sort of knee surgery. I, I'm sure. Uh, and look, it was a non-contact. His, it just yeah. buckled. When he was, you know, in the butterfly, you could see he put all the weight on the one leg. It was awkward. And then that was it. It just went out. And right. Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, I, I always feel bad. Like the NHL Network, they're they're trying to, like, do this from the studio. And, you know, Kevin Weeks, there's literally like Chesterkin can't put any weight and he can't even walk. There's three guys carrying him. And Kevin Weeks is like, well, gee, we hope, hope it's not a serious injury. And it's right. like, no, it's serious, Kevin. He can't even walk. There's two guys carrying him. His legs aren't really even functioning. It's serious, okay? We know it's pretty serious. Um, yeah. now, it's a groin pull, which for goalies is, is not good. If it's a groin pull, then it's probably better than the knee surgery, honestly. Well, I When you guys were talking about Toronto, I thought you were going to go to the rumor that I saw – um, I first thought on Facebook and then read about it on Twitter of the, the Forsberg to Toronto. Um, you know, yeah, I, okay. I, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, first of all, yeah. getting Forsberg and, and giving up Nylander, that helps you? I, like, it I, doesn't I, help. I, right. No. It's the same yeah. It, may, it, may, it literally makes no sense. The only thing I can think of is they think they're getting an equivalent forward in Forsberg with not the ter- without the term, and that would allow them to sign guys like Riley and Hyman to long-term extensions. So they're clearing money down the road, but they're not going to mess with the core group right now. The yeah, they're playing well. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I mean the, the the talk, and I I'm skeptical about this. The talk has been another predator, Michael Granlund. Uh, in because ter- his money is a little more reasonable, and they probably could get Nashville to retain fifty percent. But I don't know where Granlund really helps them. I, I, I'm not sure how good he really is playing. You know, he would be playing on the left wing with Tavares and Nylander, but that's one name amongst a number of names. I've been. I heard Eric Stahl. He's not a good playoff performer. So, like, I would get yeah. somebody that's more proven in the playoffs. That's a little greasier. I really wouldn't even look yeah. at Stahl. Him. Maybe they, Stahl, Stahl makes more sense. sense. He can play center sense. wing. Yeah. yeah. Now, I no. did hear rumors today about, um, if we're throwing out some rumors about um, the Predators having interest in Nolan Patrick. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if that could play into it at all, you know, into this Ekholm stuff. I think it could. It depends on where Philadelphia is at with regards to how Patrick's playing at the moment. He had, he's had a good couple games here, I would say, yeah. in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's, he's been reengaged. Um, if that's something that Philadelphia is, you know, and I think if Nashville, is, if, if Philadelphia is going to try to entice Nashville to, to trade Matthias Ekholm to them, that I think is a name. He would be a name that yeah. would be in conversation. Well, uh, here's the bigger thing. That's so- the only name. Like I talked, cause I did talk to him about, you know, Frost and I talked to him about, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, basically everybody else is there. And, I, see, I think Therabee and Frost and they, they're much, is much more inclined to, to think Patrick is what, the, is is what they would move and what the Predators might. I mean, he's Nolan Patrick's second overall, overall pick. That's something the Predators haven't had many of those kind of players. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy, you know, don't you think, Kev? This is kind of an interesting. interesting no, I, I think they would be interested in him. But the only thing that would worry them is, are they getting another uh, you know, uh, Johansson? Um, yeah, you know, that's was, a legit question. You know, yeah, yeah you can't tell. If his offense is back yet, his physicality is back, but you can't tell if his offense is. Right. The thing for Philly that would be an issue is I think if they make that trade, Anthony, then Giroux is back to being a center. Not necessarily. If you're no, looking at if you're, no, well, no, no, listen, you have again, Connor Bunneman's played particularly well at fourth line center. You're probably playing, 
uh, Scott Lawton at third line center. Yeah, I don't think they're going to. I think and, they're going to find that that would be a failure if they did. Maybe, though. maybe not. But in this circumstance, I think they would probably look at that circumstance. I, and Lawton has played, I think, fairly well at both positions. He's streaky to be given yeah. to, to be given. But I think Lawton has played well at, at center, at third line center. He would be perfectly fine in that spot. I like him better on the wing at these days. But okay, yeah. Well, yeah. But Drew, but they, they sure. could. Yeah. Hi, Kevin. Okay, Kevin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, for, for sure, what I would say is that uh, um, Nashville uh, started out looking for a first-round pick and a, a good young player. But I, I think getting a player who's already in the league, who's young and has potential, um, I think would be appealing to Paul. And he's for cheap. Sure. Yeah. He's not yeah. making much money. Right. And he's, and he's cheap. And, he, and he also, the other thing about him is, you know, he's good. He's a good two-way player. I mean, he is really good. He's much better defensively than I thought he'd be. Um, you know, we didn't get yeah, the same players. But he's he's good defensively. He has he has big upside offensive skills, obviously. And he's uh, and he's retainable for four more years because he's right at a cheap rate. So right. I mean, you know, and based on you know he missed last, most of last year with the injury, he's only got I think five points in twenty games <laughs> right now. He, he's not going to be expensive, but okay. he's under control. And if he turns it around, then then you've got yeah. yourself an inexpensive player for four years, which you know we know that's important for Nashville. So yeah. I mean, you could add something. Someone said durability insurance in the chat room. I think you could do something. Could something like that, where you, you know, it's a it's a first round pick. If he plays, you know, I don't know, fifty games, whatever, it becomes a second or third round pick with him. That kind of thing. Sure. We can just yeah. just based on his games played. If you're worried about his health, because um, I think a first round pick would also go, and I think it would be Patrick and a first rounder is what I heard, which is a significant. I, I've I've, I've said I've said when it comes to Matthias Ekholm that if for, to me a first round pick is like the entry fee. It is the entry. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've they've already said that. So that's the entry right. fee. Yeah. There's too much competition. Yeah. Too much competition for a 30 year old yeah. for for a, a relatively young veteran defenseman yeah. uh, who has his skill. And again, for Philadelphia, they may be you know if you're trying to thread the needle and have a right handed shot. That's to me the only thing about Ekholm. Yeah, that isn't appealing. To, that wouldn't be appealing on Philadelphia is the fact that he's a left shot. And that, but right. that's it. Everything else you're replacing. Which goes to we talk, who we talked about yesterday. Dave Savard <laughs> is the other option, mm -hmm. right? Dave Savard out there, who's a right, who's a right defenseman, right shot. Right? Possible, and, but uh, I don't think again for what where Philadelphia yeah. is. I think defensively, Ekholm with the way he plays, his style of play, yes. how he would fit with you know a Provorov or with a Sanom if you're pairing those guys up, really just solidifies their top four. Yeah, he's the better uh, fit. It's just. They're going to have a lot more competition for but exactly. Him so that's why the first round pick is, the, is, is going to be the, and it's probably not just it could very well be that a, a player and something else that could be involved. Yeah, I think I think that, but I think you know of all the teams that can offer him something. Um, when I was talking to somebody in Nashville today, they said that you know when you look at the teams that are interested, Boston's interested, um, Pittsburgh's interested. Um, all the teams that can offer something, Patrick is probably one of the most interesting things that they could they could get coming back. In that situation, because yeah, but I mean, look, Boston would offer you Anders Bork, who you could throw right in the lineup too, is tremendous. Right. Well, and, hey, Boston's got pieces, yeah, and, and one of the young defensemen, and, yeah. and, and in fact, a nine and or a yeah. lot or something. Boston's like got some pieces still, don't well, worry. If you think of it, because in the West, I think LA, I don't know if they're if. I haven't heard any rumors of them interested. I don't in think they'd be interested, Mike, because then they're going to have to sign him to a new contract, right? And I don't think that's something they're willing to do yet. But yeah. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, mm. Winnipeg, Winnipeg probably they, would. They, they, they're they may be an Ekholm away from like. I mean, I think they, I think they're a great team anyway. I don't know if they could, they can get through the Canadian division, but I think they're really really good and really deep, especially after the Dubois deal. But if they add Ekholm, where I think they're soft on defense, like they, I think that makes them even. Better. But he's only got one year left, right? Right. So right, Winnipeg, right. they run the same risk now. If Winnipeg gets him, that uh oh, now we have to worry about signing him. They may not do that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, people in the chat are asking this. We talked about the Red Wings last week as a seller, and I know we mentioned Glenn Denning and a few other, and Ryan, a few other players. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't think that Tyler Bertuzzi, and I know he's hurt right now, so I don't know how seriously Tyler Bertuzzi is hurt, but he is an RFA at the end of the year. Have you heard anything about Bertuzzi or Mantha or any of the guys who are under contract? Um, no, I mean, there's been a lot of rumbling about Tamantha, but I think it has everything to do with the fact that he's really played poorly, really inconsistent, yeah. and he's uh, fallen out of favor with uh, uh, Blashill. But I just can't imagine, you know, when you look at Steve Eiserman's history, and you know what I always say about Eiserman, any rumor you hear about that is total nonsense because yeah. I didn't <laughs> talk to no one uh, right. about anything. Right. And, uh, but I think it is clear 
that uh, the latest uh, that I've been hearing, and not much comes out, as I told you, is Bernier is getting a lot of attention. Um, he's played okay. well for them. And uh, so uh, he's kind of joined the list. But Bobby Ryan, Bernier, for sure, Stahl, um, and maybe Glenn Denning, uh, even though Eisenman likes him. Um, I can see if, if they got the right thing. Glenn Denning, a lot of teams would want him. I, I talked about oh, him. Oh, yeah, he by far would be the most, uh, you know, sought after. Uh, yeah. uh, he is just because, you know, he's at 67% on faceoffs. This year. Like, <laughs> you know, he's been incredible. Um, and, you know, he has scored a few goals. He, he plays hard every time, but that's why Eisenman likes him. So, yeah, right. um, you know, I think if, if uh, Glenn Denny can convince Eisenman that uh, uh, they don't come back, uh, you know, and, uh, as, a, as a, you know, sign as a free agent, uh, they'd probably move him because I think yeah. the bidding would be so high they could get something for him. Like, I yeah. don't think yeah. there's going to be a, a third-round pick. Yeah, no, at least no, at least a second, at least a second yeah. and a prospect. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think yeah. It's that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a second and a prospect. So, um, even though I thought in the beginning, because people told me, "Oh, there's no way Eisman will trade him," I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's possible. And I also think Bobby Ryan's going to go just because he's a million dollars. Right, yeah. he's going to go for sure. Now, I would do that. now, in the most shocking bit of news this morning, we hear that Brent Seabrook is is it will not play any longer which is something you know based on the fact that he had three surgeries at the end of last year i mean i hey i understand the the, the want of a player he doesn't want to quit he wants we to do have an update hold on mike um yeah. they're just saying mild groin strain day to day for shester and that that oh, looked a lot worse I, i'm shocked he, he went down like he tore I know. I mean, so, he gonna, so now so now on the air are you going to apologize to kevin weeks for his uh no, not, 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 not turning it into uh you I'm know I, I, kevin weeks follows me and i'm not going to apologize because he thought it was a need too so whatever but that's fine having having uh having had groin pulls as a goalie i can say there's nothing mild about them that's okay, true. but they are. But then they're hard to get back from. Even if they're, right. even if they're, even if even you know, nothing shows up on an MRI, I'm it's still it's really hard. I mean, it's a really tough thing to get to get back from as a goalie because that's a big, you know, you know, that's a big thing in your, you know, how you move your legs and spread your legs and stuff like that. That's a yeah. big aspect. I'm not touching your groin, Eck. Uh, <laughs> the comments. Uh, I don't even want to look at the comments now after that. No, one. I don't want to either. <laughs> back, back to the segue back to Brent Seabrook. Oh man. Um. So yeah, he had three. Nope, 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 nope. He had nope, three. Nope, 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 nope. What? Sorry, nope. I'm just saying no. Oh okay. no! Stop it. He had, he had three <laughs> surgeries in the off season. Uh, he tried to come back. He couldn't come back. And obviously, with I think three years left in his contract, he's not going to officially retire. But mm-hmm. but Kevin today he said he's not coming back. And th- this was a foregone conclusion in, yeah. my, in my mind. Yeah, you know I really feel bad about this. You know he's taken a lot of abuse um, because of his contract. And you know it's never. I always say this, and it's unpopular to say. But it's never the athlete's fault. Uh, you know, it's not anybody's job to uh, uh, curtail your earning potential. As long right. as someone's willing to pay you to uh, perform at whatever job you do, you know, it's not your job to say, oh, no, you know, that's too much. You know, don't do that. No, 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 I don't need that. You know, this is America. This is the capitalism capital of the world. So you get whatever you can get. The only reason that I'm not earning, you know, millions of dollars is nobody will give it to me. Um, so you can't blame Seabrook that, you know, he got this contract. And the reason he got this contract is historically he's always played better even in the playoffs. Like he was pretty good in the regular season, but he's always exceptional in the postseason. And, you know, they gave him this contract, but, you know, he's a big uh, bodied player. And for whatever reason, uh, uh, his body uh, – sort of betrayed him and his skills uh, departed and he's, you know, he hasn't uh, been able to uh, play at the level. And now this uh, uh, salary has become uh, an anchor uh, to, to say the least. But, um, you know, I'm going to remember Seabrook as a pretty valuable player and a key yeah. part of their. Oh yeah. Um, he was, look, he was a horse. He, he took yes. minutes. He was physical. He would get you points. I remember a year and a little bit into it, people were calling Seabrook a bust because they were like, well, he's not scoring. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. And then it all clicked. And then he was a major catalyst. They called Duncan Keith a bust for years. Too. Listen, at the end of the day, when I think of the Chicago Blackhawks 
dynasty, and we're going to call it that. I think they were they were pretty close to yeah, it. Exactly. He was he he was he was the pillar to me. He was one of the pillars of that blue line. When I think yeah. of like like the Oilers and you know Paul Coffey and Kevin Lowe, I think of when the Blackhawks. I think of Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Yeah. Well, wasn't it, wasn't it Seabrook, Kevin, that went into the went into the penalty box when Jonathan Taves was losing his mind? I think it was against Detroit in the playoffs, and he went in and he, he basically said, you know, don't give up or something like that, you know, sort of. And and they were yeah. down three one in that series, and they came back to win it in seven games. Yeah, I, I don't remember if it was him. I remember what you're talking about, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, he was a leader on that team. I I always yeah. liked him. Um, I, I do remember a kind of a funny story uh, during the outdoor game, and uh, I was covering it was uh, it was in Washington, right? Uh, yeah, Blackhawks. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I was there with a uh, uh, a collection of uh, writers, and it was very unusual. But there was probably six or seven of us talking to Seabrook, um, and I just kind of joined the group late. And I didn't recognize any of the other writers, which didn't happen very often. Um, and they were asking him questions. And I thought Seabrook um, was unusually unhelpful. And uh, he, uh, he was just throwing out, they were asking questions. And he'd say, well, we're going to have to wait and see. You know, that, right. those kind of answers. Hmm. And uh, I came in and I asked a question. And he looked at me and I wasn't sure that he knew who I was. But he recognized me as somebody who had been around for a while. So right. I, my question, he gave me a very intelligent, lengthy answer that, you know, everybody took down because they were going to use it. And I thought, you know, I really like this guy. He didn't probably recognize who I am, but he said, you know, I don't recognize any of these. <laughs> and at least this guy belongs here. So, yeah. he's around there. You know, the big question, though, after this happened was, What's up with Jonathan Taves? Are we going to go a whole season and not have any idea what's going on with him? Well, you know what? Um, I, I, I think that is, that Jonathan Taves has earned the right to keep this to himself until he's ready yeah. to talk about yeah. it. Okay. Uh, that's what I have to say. That's that's. Um, right. and, I want to. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is. I speculate, but um, this is. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, I think I think they were being truthful when they said that um, they were still trying to figure it out what was going on. Now, Russ, one of the other things out of that Ranger game yesterday, and I, we both watched it, we may be seeing the the coming of age of Alexi Lafreniere because he over the last few games he started to started to start, started be, you know become acclimated to the NHL, and then last night, late yeah. third period. That snipe was the pick top corner was, you know, first overall pick quality. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, and, and a couple of games before that, he had a, a backhand that he tried to put in the upper far corner, close corner, rather short side. And he almost did. He missed it by like that much. It hit the iron. So he had been getting closer. It, it really, ever since the, the game in Philly, when he wasn't used in overtime, Quinn started to use him with good players once Panarin was out. Now the big question, and, and, and this one, he wasn't playing with the best players. But I think now it's not mattering as much because those games when he did play with the top players definitely helped him confidence-wise. You saw that snipe. But there's also other things he's been doing for weeks that I noted in the Philly game, like he's playing good away from the puck. He's playing well when the camera's not actually showing him yeah. along the wall. And, you know, when, when you're watching on TV, I, I can't stress this enough, you are still missing action. You are. And there's things that we see when we're there. And you do, too, as a fan, when you're there, that you yeah, just yeah. don't see. And so I think he's been playing really well for two weeks. And now the points are starting to come. And I don't think he's going to be anything like a point a game or anything this year. But I do think, you know, for people that were trying to say, oh, what's going on here? You know, like, just calm down. We don't see many players of his quality come into a situation like he came into. You know, like, um, and when you come into a situation where you're not, you know, not necessarily the, the top guy, like, you know, when we've seen the other guys of, of, you know, McDavid or Crosby, they immediately were kind of handed the team, you know, like to a degree. Um, and those, and those guys are used to being handed the team. Like Lafreniere is used to being used, Lafreniere is used to it being his team, you know, like no matter what. Now he's in the, he's in the NHL, he's in the third line. It's just a different situation. And I think that <laughs> learning how to play that way, it does take the pressure off him in one hand, but on the other hand, it also has to be a little bit of a strange situation for him mentally, like to figure out exactly. Yeah. And the way, so what I saw last night was him, 
starting to understand that he's good enough to be there. Like, right. yeah, I, like he's once, once, once players like him understand they're good enough to be there, they're very dangerous because that's when they start doing the things that they, that they can do the things that separate them. And that, you know, what right now he's, he's finally, he's finally doing that, you know, and, and I do want to again, say to the guy who was on the air on Sirius XM, when I held up this sign, guy was talking to Mick Kern. He goes, I would trade Chris Carter's contract. Now they were basically having a segment where if you could trade anybody's contract, trade it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I would trade it. And I was holding up the sign that said dope. And the, and the producer outed me and said, hey, Russ just called him a dope. Let's talk about it when we come to the other side. So we did. And since then, Kreider has had like six goals. Two, no, yeah. actually more. Yeah. He's had two hat tricks. He's had two hat tricks since then. So anybody who was worried about Chris Kreider, and I'm sure there were other Ranger fans too, yeah. at the end of the day, this isn't the greatest team, but Chris Kreider will get his 25, 20 to 25 goals every year. Don't worry about it. And when the team starts getting better, he'll get more points. So in our daily Buffalo Sabres update, just briefly, oh, okay. uh, the Sabres in losing in losing to the Islanders uh, allowed 45 shots. It was 45 to 18. Uh, Ralph Kruger had a, held a media availability this morning and basically corrected a Buffalo reporter who said it was 15 shots. He said, no, it was 18. Like, there's a big difference between 15 and 18. Right? I got a text last night that a coach fired. There's a, at 1.15 a.m., I got a coach. There's going to be a coach fired, and I'm, I get this text, and, and I'm, asleep, you know, I'm asleep, and I just see it up, and I immediately think to myself, okay, it's Kruger. Well, like, that's the first thing that came to my head. Like, that's, that's what came to my head. Like, that's what happened. Let's further that speculation, act because uh, Kevin Adams, the Sabres general manager, accompanied the, the team. Uh, I think they're on Long Island right now, and he is holding a media availability at 4.30, which, you know, normally they, the, the, if the GM is going to do something, it's like we're around the same time that the, the, the coach and the, and, the, and the players are held their media availability. This one is sort of separate, so speculation is already starting to run rampant. Well, let, 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 we got a couple things real quick we want to get to, and, and then we're going to – just one thing I wanted to do, um, and that is um, I got sent this this jersey by the guys up at the Uni- University of Alaska Anchorage. Um, and I don't know if you know what's going on, going on up there, but it's really interesting. Um, they're the, the, college, the college hockey program and the, and the college gymnastics program, basically they, they, basically the people of Alaska, the, the board in Alaska that handles the money said that they're done unless yeah. they can raise a certain amount of money, right? And they have to raise – they had to raise $3, raise $3 million by last week – um, the Kraken, Seattle Kraken stepped up and said when they had gotten to about one and a half million, the Kraken said, we'll, we'll help, you know, and basically put another $150,000 challenge on it or whatever. And then the board said, all right, we'll give you till the end of August to raise the money. So now they're, they're still, they still have a chance to, to save this, this franchise. And we have a lot of hockey buzz fans up there too. They sent me this shirt and they're like, you know, if you can mention it. And, um, and I think it's really, it's, it's really is a, it's a great, it's one of these great programs. It's, it's like classic, alas, it's classic in that, in that community. It's, it's huge. You know, they've got a beautiful yeah. building. Um, and it's just one of those places that, that, you know, for a while in the nineties, they had a really good college program that went to like the NCAA, they beat Boston oh, college. They had some good players. Yeah, yeah. I mean the best, best players that um, I was looking at, you know, I was looking at their, the, the, the NHLers that have come out of there, you know, um, probably the most uh, famous would be, um, would be like Curtis Glenn cross, you know, came out of there. Um, coming out of that school. Out of that school, right. that, that, that NHLers right now, Jay Beagle, you know, is in the NHL from there. Um, and then uh, you also have like Mike Peluso, who's came yeah, out of Mike there. Peluso, yeah. So there's just some really, um, really cool, and it, it's like they're just they're trying, they're desperately trying to make to keep this program alive. Basically, the money will help them survive <laughs> for a couple of years. They're real, and I think I think they're going to make it, but it's 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 really touch and go, and it's the kind of thing that. The community up there is just is so all the all the kids up there. That's their pro hockey team. Like that's that's it. You know. So this is a really big deal. I think what the Kraken did was amazing. Um, the Kraken come out and they say, you know, we're going to help them. That, that this is actually part of our region. They consider Alaska their region um, because they're, they they get to broadcast. I guess the NHL works this out where the Kraken get to broadcast into Montana, um, North Dakota, and Alaska. They consider that this is going to be something, you know, in Idaho maybe or something like that. I don't know. There's some there's so they 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 really want to you know and uh, Lewicki who's been up to Alaska several times and has been to the arena to see see the game see games there actually really just fell in love with it too. So he's he's the you know the as the president of the Kraken. So there so yeah. So they need to get there. Scott Gomez was born there. They need to get Scott Gomez to help fundraise. Scott well, the thing is, and what they say is, you know, that they really what's killing them right now is because they're losing a lot. There's a lot of great players coming out of there now that are not going. They're not staying in Alaska because the the, the program's in jeopardy. You know, they don't know what's going to yeah. be there. Now. So that's that's hurting them quite a bit right now. They have one of the coolest logos in all of hockey. I mean, I think that's like a really cool. Yeah, that's a cool logo. 
I think is a really cool jersey in general. Um, and uh, the Save Our Sea, so it's SaveSeaWolfHockey.com. Um, we are hockey buzz already put money into it. We're gonna, and you know, if you guys can help with it all, that would be great. Just uh, let's 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 try to keep it going because it's one of those it's one of those cool old old school type franchises. Yeah, actually, um, Pareko is probably the best player out of Alaska Fairbanks. Now it's a little. I think it's a different a good, college, though. Different college, but maybe they could get him the help too because he's close to yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the players who played up there are, are who are the big stars up there. Like you know, four, their four. biggest. Star, I mean, they've had other guys too. But their biggest stars up there, you know, are. Um, oh, I mean, Gomez is from Alaska. Former of Philadelphia Flyer Matt Carl. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rob Rob Kahn. You remember him at all from Chicago and Buffalo? Yeah, I still think Pareko's a bigger name. Joey, no, but these are guys that actually went to the school. I'm saying. Joey Joey Crab. Right, These are guys that actually played, actually played. The, yeah, the other school, yes. For University of Anchorage, um, for University of Alaska Anchorage, um, those are the big guys out of there. And you know, yeah. Dave, uh, Dave Westcott, Dave, Dave Westcott, remember him? Or, or Doobie Westcott? Sorry, Dave, Doobie yeah, Westcott. Doobie Westcott, I remember. Yes. Another one. So these are guys who play for University of Alaska Anchorage um, for the Sea Wolves. So SeaWolfHockey.com. All right, let's move on. Save SeaWolfHockey.com. Um, you get a chance to really do. It would be good to do. Um, anyway, let's let's talk about the really the big story today, which is Walter Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Um, and this to me is, uh, you know, it's it just one of those, it's just really sad. Um, Kevin, did you ever get a chance to interview him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple or three times. Um, yeah. Um, you know, the first time in the, in the 1980s, um, and it, and the funny thing about it, it wasn't uh, to do with him uh, raising the greatest hockey player in the game. It was really? about the fact that he was bringing in his youngest son. Um, to the Silver Stick Tournament in Port Huron, Michigan. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, so, I, yeah, I ended up talking with him and his wife about, about all that. It was a terrific interview. But what I would say about to Walter is, you know, the, the hardest thing um, for any parent um, is to walk the line between um, being too tough and, mm-hmm. and inspiring your kid and pushing them to be all they could be. Um, it's a very, very tricky business uh to do that um and you know obviously walter mastered that um you know uh the the love that wayne had and his other boys had for walter um was unwavering and yet i think it's fair to say that he pushed them incredibly hard to be all they can be and i think it's a great testimony to both uh walter uh uh and uh his uh, wife who also uh passed away before he did um yeah so uh, it's a te- it's a testament to his you know his uh, reputation that during the TSN broadcast of the Leafs in Vancouver that they basically scrapped the intermission to talk about yeah. uh, Walter Gretzky that Gord Miller uh, went on about uh, yeah. related a couple stories about him um, you know obviously he's from Brantford and he was a, a fixture in the Toronto area because Brantford's relatively close and you know of course you didn't know that this that much about him he was a rabid Toronto Maple Leafs fan well yeah. uh, you know but his you know obviously he rooted for his and son his son never played I've always, I've always well, I mean, he came back he came he close this, he came very close if it, if it wasn't that year it was I think it was 1995 yeah five or 96 at the end of the the Gilmore thing uh gilmore anderchuk uh uh era with the with the leafs gretzky was a free agent after he played with st louis before he signed with the rangers and the leafs were in on it but at that point steve stavro the owner of the leafs was basically you know having some budgetary issues and they couldn't offer gretzky the amount of money that he could have that he ended up getting from the rangers but he wanted to play for the leafs because his dad was a leafs fan but the rangers did one thing back then which was I think kind of unheard of. They gave him a signing bonus. They gave him like I think two million dollars right. just to sign. Right. right, which was at that point. Now my favorite, I mean Walter thing was there was a game, there was a series that came out in Canada that wished it would be released on DVD or somewhere that we could stream it now. Called the you remember Ken Dryden had a book called The Game. Um, yeah. The uh, the series called The Game that came on CBC it was like a ten part um, series that was on like Sunday nights, and uh, we had the Canadian satellite dish back then, so we were picking it up. And um, it was an incredible, an incredible series, and one of them focused on, on Walter Gretzky, um, one of the episodes. And it was, and and the whole, my favorite thing still to this day, and I've I've actually used this for all kinds for teams I've coached, um, girls soccer teams I've coached even, um, is what Walter had Wayne do back then, which was you know take a he had he had a piece of paper, he'd draw a hockey rink on it, 
and Wayne's job for that the entire game as a kid would be to sit and, and put his finger wherever the puck was as the game went on and just follow the puck around, not look down, but not just look at the puck, look look on the look on the TV, follow the puck wherever it is. If it's here, if it's there, it goes around the boards, it goes up there, back back forward, and um and he cred- credited Wayne credited that with his like the Gretzky thing of being where the puck was going to go to. Right, he had done that so many times that he had this habit in his head of knowing what well, happened. He knew where the puck was going to be like before everybody else going here before somewhere else. And I, I, I love that story. Like I thought that was the coolest thing to I'm hear. Saying, and, um, the only thing I could say is I'd seen him at a few events as, as far as Walter goes, but um, I have a friend that lives in Brantford and I've stayed over his house three or four times. And, you know, of course, Wayne Gretzky highway, I have to take that to get to his house. And when we talked about him, it seems like everybody in that city has been to that house in that basement to see the memorabilia. Like that, it just seems like Walter invited everybody in, whoever, whatever kid wanted to come in and see his stuff, he basically showed it to him. Well, you know the greatest story about that, right? Which is like, Kevin, you probably know this better than I do, but um, the concept of um, of when the, of when the, when he brought the Russians down there during yeah, the Yeah, they talked about that last night. That was just, yeah, they were talking about that. That's just an amazing thing. Thinking about, because remembering back then to the 87 time and what was what it was like to invite the Russians over to your house, that seemed like an unbelievably impossible thing to do. Yeah. Like at, at that point, in 87, that was just... Well, Dave, Dave, Dave Poulin talked about it because he was in yeah. the house when I think it was right. Mak- Makarov, uh, Fatisov, and uh, maybe Larianov. Larry- Larry- yeah. And and Poulin was standing at the top of the stairs per- basically preventing Tikhanov and a, a guy who supposedly was a press guy, but it probably was KGB, right. allowing them to go downstairs because Walter Gretzky was showing like Wayne's awards. Yeah. It's like and all that stuff, yeah. I think that is just like, you know, that's a, that's a crazy story. There's a great, Paul Stewart has some great, I, I wrote, I put his article up instead of mine today because Paul Stewart wrote, has some really great things. He's where he, at times he's done different things with Walter over the years and there's yeah. some really great stories out there. Paul's a great storyteller. So definitely read that. I mean, if you were ever at an event with Wayne Gretzky, you could pretty much look around and Walter was probably there. And I think one of the best things that if, if I'm Walter, one of the things, if I'm, if I'm a dad, you know, and I'm where where I'm a dad about sports kids and like that. I think the greatest thing you could say if you're Walter, you know, when you're leaving this world is to look at honestly how Wayne Gretzky has become as an ambassador for hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think Wayne has just absolutely done a phenomenal job at it. Like when I see him, when I see him talk, you know, he's Wayne Gretzky. He's still the greatest guy in the world. He doesn't, he, but he's, he does not come off that way when he talks now. No, but I think the reason Wayne Gretzky did such a good job is because Gordy Howe showed him how you yes. do a good job with that and it carried on to Wayne Gretzky. If but, that didn't happen, yeah. if they never met and became friends, yeah. you know. But Walter always carried himself but, so humbly too. I thought that's why I thought it was kind of a neat thing. Yeah, but, it kind of reminds me he kind of does remind me of his like watch I mean I never met Walter Gretzky, but it, it what seeing pictures of Wayne now when Wayne talks does remind you a little bit of Walter Gretzky. But Kevin, everybody forgets that Wayne and the NHL were on the outs for years because they of were. the Phoenix situation yeah. and he wasn't that ambassador that he has he yeah. is now. It was I mean, all money. It was all right, and I, I don't blame him because because of the the, the cluster F that the Phoenix that the Arizona Coyotes are. But yeah. but thank God they got him back in. Uh, you know, and I can overlook uh, the personal pain that he inflicted on me in 1993. Oh, that's so big of you, Mike. <laughs> ah, 1993 has been brought up again. Drink, everyone drink. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I would say is I agree with what Eklund uh, said about uh, Ambassador, but I would take it further. I, I just think uh, uh, it was a testimony to what a great person Wayne uh, yeah, is. Yeah. Um, because uh, for as great as he is, um, you know, he could have been an ivory tower type of guy, and Wayne has never been that. Um, and, and I think uh, Walter kept, kept him grounded, uh, you know, through it all. And he reminded them uh, all the time uh, Wayne would do press conferences. And I remember specifically Wayne talking about this. They would ask him in the early 80s when every city that he would go to, he'd have to do a formal press conference, right. whether he'd get weary of it. And he said, oh, absolutely. But my dad uh, always told me is, is that the game is going to give you so much uh, and you got to give it back. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know I know the story of Gordy and I know their friendship. Um, and I'm sure Gordy told him the same thing. But Walter was beating that drum into him when he was a young man. Yeah. yeah. The, the best way of realizing that Gretzky is like, pretty much this average guy with unbelievable hockey skills and he's a rich guy, but you don't know it is, I don't know which tournament it was, maybe the masters or something, Kev, but it was basically being played through his backyard and he was like sitting out there watching 
And all of a sudden they're like, hey, there's Wayne Gretzky's one. <laughs> Sitting on his porch. It's like, you know, it's his house. He, yeah. backs, up, he backs up to the golf course. <clears throat> yeah. I never had a chance to interview Wayne. I never, I've never talked to Wayne. The closest I've ever had to talk to him. I've never been in a situation where I could talk to him. Just, you know, I've met it's Gordy. Hard. It's not easy. <laughs> I got to talk to Gordy Al. That was cool. But I never got to talk to Wayne. And um, He's a regular guy. Like, it's unbelievable. I'm sure, you know, the only closest I ever came was, um, was a funny story of, of Mario Lemieux calling me. During the lockout one time, that was the some like Al Morgani gave Mario Lemieux my number, which is like crazy. Called me up during the lockout, and Mario was golfing with Wayne at the time. Yeah. And that's the I ever came to to being on the phone with Wayne Gretzky. It's a pretty funny story. Well, but um, I know Wayne Wayne walked by me at the Centennial Classic when they had that the the, the top yeah. one hundred. You know, and the funny thing is, like, you're in a, you're in a room with. I still can't. I still. That's probably my favorite picture, Russ. Glenn Hall. Johnny Buse. Oh, it's a great picture. Dave Keon, Red Kelly, Johnny Bauer, and Gretzky, all in the same frame. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the funny thing about Gretzky is, like, I I interviewed him for a short time at the Heritage Classic, but I've told people I waited for Al Strachan to fire off, like, 10 questions before I would even ask one, just because I felt like I had to wait my turn. So I did, and, and Gretzky answered it like I was a, you know, a long-time guy, and I was – literally two years on the job. So that yeah. was that was nice. But then years later, uh, Upper Deck invited me to an event at the Hockey Hall of Fame. You got a picture of Gretzky, an autograph. Stanley Cup was there. Kelly Chase was doing the ceremony. But afterwards, you know, is when the picture stuff happened. And it was really nice because for the second I got to talk to Gretzky, I mentioned my 100 Ranger Greats book. And, and he remembered the book because he had asked for it through his agent. And he goes, oh, that was you. And it was really nice. Like, he doesn't have to do that. He's Wayne Gretzky. Right. I remembering that. I know. He could have just said, taken the picture and been like, hey, nice. Nice to meet you. See you. Well, I, I've got two Wayne Gretzky stories. Yeah. Number one, uh, Wayne uh, returned one of my phone calls at my house. And uh, uh, my daughter, Erin, was 10 or 11. And uh, she uh, I picked it up. And I heard her talking on the phone. And, she, you know, she's carrying on and talking to him about her day and everything else. <laughs> All of a sudden, I said, "Who is that?" And he goes, "It's Mr. Gretzky for you, Dad." <laughs> I got I got Wayne on the phone. And he was I I said, "Yo, I'm sorry about that." He goes, "Oh no." She goes, "He goes, it was fun listening to her talk about her, about her day." But the other story is a, is a better one. Um, I got called, and I can't remember. It's terrible, but I can't remember which airline magazine called me uh, at some point in the 1990s and offered me $1,500 to write a profile on Wayne Gretzky for an airline magazine. Oh, wow. And uh, so I left a message for Wayne and I said, you know, $1,500 probably isn't much in your world. <laughs> huge in my world. Right. If all I got to do is to get you to the phone and get you to talk for 15 minutes and I can make $1,500. And about <laughs> 10 minutes later, the phone rang and, and he goes, that's the best sales pitch I have ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know that, but that's the kind of guy I was, you know. Yeah, right, right. You know, like he didn't have to do that. Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. How many millions of profiles have been written? Oh my gosh! How many questions has he answered? All the every question you've you asked him in that interview, he answered a hundred thousand times before. He signs yeah. autographs for everybody. I've never seen him turn anybody down. I've seen him stop where wherever he was, whatever he was doing, and <sighs> start signing autographs for people. It's crazy. I've seen that too. Yeah, I've been, I've been I in rooms. Definitely is the one that. Yeah, yeah. and and I'm going to say this too. This is going to sound weird, but I think some of Wayne's aura has rubbed off on Dustin Johnson, his son-in-law. Yeah, I think that's true, actually. Because, you know, he was not a very popular player. No. And now I, I sense that that's turning. And yeah. some yeah. of it is is that, you know, they often say, you know, and married Dwayne Greskies. Yeah. Um, Right, right, right. But, but you know what? It, you know what it is, and I'm not the biggest of golf fans, but I do know this: the it was sort of the the aura of unfinished potential with Dustin Johnson. That you know, he yeah. had all the physical tools; he just couldn't put the put the mental thing in into his game. And over the last few years, he has. But maybe that maybe that uh, you know, learning yeah. his father-in-law is part of it. Yeah, I'll tell you what. But that's a good point, Mike, because I didn't mean to imply that Johnson himself hasn't done it by. You know, as you said, bringing his game together. I mean, he's done that on his own. But what I'm saying is, is that you know, sometimes people win and we still don't like them, right? Right. And, and I think, I think, uh, uh, in his yeah. case, he's won, and because he's now associated with Wayne, we tend to like him better. 
Well, I think I think what, what also helped him, and I because I've heard this in an interview is like Gretzky is legitimately like is impressed with the way he is as an athlete. And if Wayne Gretzky is impressed with the way you are as an athlete, then you are something. And I think that does help his whole case. Can, can I we, mean, it went, the thing about Gretzky that, you know, and obviously that I want to know more, a little bit about like um, Kevin, since you're the only one who's really talked to Walter and Wayne, do you, did you see the similarities in them or do you see more of the similarities in them now as Wayne gets older even or? Uh, well, you know, they're both polite guys. Um, you know, they're yeah. completely different. I mean, uh, yeah. but, um, you know, I, I, I think the, uh, the humble, cordial uh, approach uh, and, and soft-spoken, you know, Wayne, when he speaks, right. um, is, is very kind of soft-spoken. You know, like, he, he speaks with authority. Um, but you know, he's, he's quiet. Like he's, it doesn't, it's not a booming voice. It's very, it's very Canadian. Canadians yeah, yeah. really embrace, embrace yeah. that sort of. Well, it really is. That is the epitome of like a hockey dad in some ways, like the way he was, like you said, I've been pushing him, but then also the other thing, and anybody who's ever had a backyard rink and tried to keep it going knows this, um, as I do. Maybe um, maybe maybe the, maybe the previous generation of hockey dad uh, acting. The thing is, the yeah. hockey dads n nowadays they've taken on a completely different uh, situation. So I mean, there are other signs, but like whenever, never I've been out in the middle of the night at two in the morning. I uh, I remember re you know from reading Wayne Gretzky's book years ago. Um, whenever I'm out at two in the morning, putting putting water on the rink, I'm thinking to myself, "Yep, this is what you do. This is what you do when you're getting getting the all next week. The rink is dead." Act. Oh, I know. This is the last weekend for it. It's going to be now, six. I, Kev, I want I want to ask you this before we end the show. I, I had a I had a mild uh, uh, hissy fit yesterday when talking about the Alex Ovechkin uh, uh, cup yeah. check on uh, Trent Frederick, and then we saw Brett Pe Brett Pesci with the slew foot. I think it was on Robbie Fabry, and both of them ended up in five thousand dollar fines. Something is wrong with the Department of Player Safety when both of those incidents end up in fines instead of suspensions. I'm with I'm with you, and um, you know when I thought of you when I saw the Ovechkin thing because you've long said that he gets special treatment, and I never really bought into that. But I do in that case, like that was a suspendable act. Like you could not have been more flagrant. Yeah, right. Kev, do you remember? You may remember this. I didn't because I, I wasn't born yet. But it, about 60, 61, 62, something like that, uh, Andy Bathgate wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about spearing in the NHL. Yeah, I, I, I know that he did that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, and, you know, and the fact that it is going unnoticed right now and it's just right. no – my biggest problem was I can't believe they didn't call a penalty in the game. Like, it's just – are you kidding me? Yeah. How is that even possible? I I don't know. I mean, I was watching. Uh, <clears throat> they showed that on the Detroit game when I was watching, and and Mickey Redmond, the analyst, uh, said he didn't think it was worthy of a suspension. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I, that like that's old school. That is old. School. <laughs> but I, I really did. Um, I, I, the, you know, that was the first time I had seen it, and I said, "Wow, like that." The, yeah. You know, the fact that was a fine and not a suspension is, is really yeah. hard to justify. Yeah, the, the only person besides Mickey Redmond who doesn't think that he should have been suspended is is uh, Chris Simon, who took a baseball swing at Ryan Holwig. No, head. but I, I want to say something. I mean, besides the Flyers' great comeback yesterday in that game, it was dirty to the point where I think the league <laughs> has to worry about this next Penguins Flyers game because. There was headhunting on both sides. At first, the Flyers were headhunting Mark Friedman, and then the Penguins headhunted <laughs> Phil Myers, and Myers is out for next game, and Friedman and Myers <laughs> didn't finish that game. They both were not in the – I the was game. really surprised that, 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 that Patrick wasn't suspended for that hit on Friedman. Right. Friedman. Which was, yeah, that, 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 was, like, that was a yeah, really dirty hit. He pushed him into the boards. He was taking him away. And it's a guy that you know. Like, it's just such a jerk move by Patrick. And it, it's, it's just – Patrick's frustration at that time, but you know, and he's been playing better, or he's been, you know, he's been more engaged, like you said. But you know, you got to know when to turn it off. My gosh, a player you played with a week ago, but is Russ, running, boards, and you're going to slam him into the boards like that. Heck, but Russ is bringing up a good point. It's like we've gotten to a point where like 20, 25 games into the regular season, and these teams have played each other a few times, a few more times than they normally play each other, and we know that they get pissed off at each other. Yeah, and 
And well, the NHL's the NHL's they they want that to happen. That's what they're doing. That that's the whole point. Well, that's clear because they're not calling enough penalties to no. But to they, I mean, they put the schedule together for that reason. The schedule is for that reason. So no, no. But the schedule is one thing, yet. But the fact that guys are basically dropping like flies in this series is another. And the next game is going to be a big deal. And I hope yeah. the league is ready for that because. And does anybody else, we got to go, but does anybody else, does anybody else feel like the two games against the team is, 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 is okay. We can deal with that in the future, but three games is just way too many. Like it feels well, like. Too many. No, I don't. Um, no, I like the three games here. You do? Okay. I do. Um, before we go, I, yes. I, I got to do a shameless blog. Um, Please. Um, I ended up, uh, you know how it goes. It's in Ruskin attest to this. It's feast or famine in the book world. And I now have three book contracts <laughs> where uh, three weeks ago I had none. Yeah. Uh, and they're all due in various times, but one of them uh, I'm being brought in to help. Um, I'm like I'm like Miriano Rivera. I'm closing on right. Oh, nice. uh, and it's on Bernie Nichols. And oh, nice. I have spent the last uh, two days. Uh, I've talked to, to Bernie for over three hours, and it's been one of the most entertaining three hours I've had in really? a long time. Um, He's an interesting guy. I've chatted with him more than a few yeah, times. Yeah, I, I had two, but you know, to have three straight hours yeah. and to reminisce about the pink suits, the top hats with ten tennis shoes, the, the blue Corvette, <laughs> uh, the the you know the pumper nickel uh, goal salute, the seventy goals, and oh, yeah. uh, his his explanation. And I'm not going to tell you what he had to say about it because you'll have to read about yeah, it. But the seasons he had were crazy for a while. He, well, and he talked about the year and a half they played with Gretzky. And I, I don't know that anybody could have explained what that was like better than he did to me wow. today. And wow, uh, there's more about um, beaver trapping and <laughs> eating muskrats um, and uh, moose uh, shooting moose and having moose fries. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we covered the whole gamut. We really covered everything. The dichotomy yeah. of that kind of a guy ending up in Los Angeles is just crazy. That, that is the, the entire crux of the book. I'm, I'm writing the yeah. beginning of the book and I'm setting that up. That a guy, yeah, yeah. Crocodile Dundee, he, <laughs> he is from a town of 75 people. Okay. And he went to Los Angeles. He had never been to the U.S. He had never been to a city larger than Bob Cajun. Wow. So it's a wow. really good story. And uh, he's a really fun guy. Can't wait. That's going to be amazing. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Very, very cool. And he has right, well, there's there's going to be some tragedy in that book, too. Yes, there is. Yeah. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for watching the show this week and hanging out with us this week. We'll be back again on Monday. Have a good weekend with all the games. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll talk. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.